Welcome to Paddle Hacks. I'm Matt. I'm Ben. And this continues to be the number one podcast uh, about platform tennis. At least for six more days. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will be like, you know what? I could do it better than these guys and then immediately take over. But we'll lie and still say we're number one because screw those guys, whoever they are. Yeah, plus I think at this point, now that we're four episodes in, everyone is very aware of your lack of fact-checking yes. and how much you d- mm-hmm. detest fact-checking. Mm-hmm. Um, on today's episode, we have a quick segment about the mental side of paddle, which is interesting for us to do because earlier you were calling us mental midgets. I did say mental midget, but then you told me that uh, midget is frowned upon. I, I don't know. Li- mental don't, little person. I don't know how to handle those specific situations where you're turning a phrase of a common saying, but it's something is no longer appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't... You're a mental, vertically challenged individual. Yes, I am. And that's why our segment's fairly short. Uh, wow. Wow. What a fantastic pun. Uh-huh. People uh, people come for the paddle, but they stay for the puns. Yes. Oh, t-shirt idea. Um, so uh, we've got that a quick segment, and then we answer some fan questions that are actually pretty entertaining, uh, I think. And uh, then we have uh, John Noble and Mike Rowley on the show, but not together in back-to-back interviews, which is actually the first time they've ever been separate, I think. You know, and Rowley prefers it when they're back-to-back. Yes, yeah, because they can most easily fend off attackers, yeah. I think. That's, mm-hmm. that's what he goes for. So uh, this is going to be a fun one. Stick around. I'll put my radio voice on. This is having to pick up women. This is how you're going to pick up women? Yeah. This is not going to work. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, even, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> this no. is you are going to be lonely. For the rest uh, of my life. <laughs> okay. So how how we met. How we met. I'm sure people are curious about, you know, how a relationship like this is forged in the gauntlet that is platform tennis. Yeah, I, uh, you may remember it differently. I think I was the assistant at the Glenview Club. Correct. You were the assistant at Glenview Club. So You'd, far, we're on the same page. Good. You were the assistant at Skokie. That is also correct. I was. Cool. And uh, I think we'd played <laughs> once before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, I think you have match point against me. And you're like, God, you've got a great memory. This guy needs a win. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like me. I yeah. do go around just doling out wins to people that seem like they need them. He needs this more than I do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I think that was I think that was true. Right. I would I would agree. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't need that win. That was. I appreciate uh, it. Actually, I think that's fun. That was both for both of us. That might have been our first Series 1 match. It was mine. Yeah, it was your first it was one. my second I, year I playing. I think it was mine as well. Yeah. I, I think Skokie ended up at Series 1 that year, and so did Glenview. Mm-hmm. And I think we ended up as the assistants playing against each other on Court 3. One. Maybe. <laughs> one. Yeah, Court 1. <laughs> court 1, top level in Chicago, uh, our first year of yes. paddle. Yeah, I don't think we talked a bunch then. Maybe a little bit. And then... Um, 
as far as I remember, you called me up to play the indie tournament. That's correct. Right? Yep. That was fun. Yep. Anytime that someone beats me, I immediately turn around and ask to play a tournament with them. Yeah. So I actually am just handing out invites all the time. <laughs> You've got everyone <laughs> yeah. playing Every battle. Every week, I've got two more people to add to my list. That yeah. guy's good. He beat me. That guy's good. <laughs> uh, uh, please play with me. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. I agree. I think. Uh, I think we. I think we actually hit it off at Indy. Yes. Because I think we found out that at a very visceral level we both love and hate paddle simultaneously yeah like i think that's really what it comes down to yeah is, in had... fact one of our questionnaires one of our questions for uh incoming guests when they have to fill out a questionnaire and sign a release and do that whole thing is how many times have you quit paddle this season today's episode of paddle hacks is brought to you by the colorado department of travel and tourism when you're having your best paddle season ever and want to blow out your knee over winter vacation Aspen Snowmass Mountain Resort is there for you. Colorado Department of Travel and Tourism not responsible for any injuries, forfeits of future paddle matches, nor do they condone anything the paddle hacks have ever said, thought, or produced. Colorado Department of Travel and Tourism, 2019, Ski Colorado. Ah, the mental side of paddle. Little uh, paddle hack segment where we start talking about what really makes this sport unique and the mental focus required to, uh, to be good, I think. Um... So, I mean, we discussed this a little bit in our in yep. our pre-interview. Uh, how difficult is it to stay focused during a match for you? Like, what do you th- what do you think it requires in your total percentage of brain power to like play out a good solid paddle match? To play a real good paddle match, yeah. I've 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 got to be totally locked in. Yeah, um, I agree. And I I struggle. I will tell you, I've got horrible ADD. Um, diagnosed ADD or yes, like yes. okay yeah as as an adult I yeah. wondered why I struggled in school and then I found out in like my late twenties yeah um no I I I think it I've got to be completely focused right on right. paddle if there's anything kind of else going on in my mind or in my life it just takes you right out of it I struggle yeah, yeah. I, I struggle with it from the teaching pro perspective oh my god. I don't. I think this is actually because I, my game is. Uh, I don't have as much physical talent. I think as a lot of our counterparts. Like right. when I think about the other guys that I play against that are pros and and directors and and the like. Like a lot of them have some pretty serious racket skills to rely on. Oh, I've yeah. always been a grinder. I've always been the guy that like even in tennis I had to like, you know, finish pre- practice with the team and then go spend forty minutes on the ball machine. To like be like, all right, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta lock this in. Like wow. I just didn't okay. have, you know, that that next level, and so I feel like I've always had to work a little harder. And when I come off the court from teaching, I do not feel sharp. I don't think I've won a first set the entire season. We talked about this yeah. last week. I I struggle. I I coach all day. Yeah. And then like for the first set, I'm still in coaching mode. Yeah. Hey, great back end. Yeah. Oh, I'm not good. using my legs. Oh, look at his grip. I'm just lazy. I'm kind of standing up. I'll, right. You right. know. I had a partner once a couple of years ago be like, can you please stop complimenting them? And I didn't even know I was doing it. Right. I was just trying to be like a supportive mm-hmm. coach, but my language on the court, like they would blast a ball, you know, into my thigh. And then I'd be like, that's a great shot, man. Yeah. You really came through that level and well, nice job. Way to keep your balance. I, I, for me, I just last year in league play started playing with a new partner. Yeah. And 
he's awesome. His name's Bub Wellstein. Mm-hmm. But when you play with Bub, Bub will will discuss the game plan. And right. once in a while, I like to veer off from the game plan and see how we do. And we'll win the point. And Bob will look at me like, hey, game plan. Get Don't it back. Don't ever do that again. Get it back. Yeah. And he's been awesome for me. Like, we, yeah. we, we've got a pretty good record together because he kind of focuses me in. Yeah. And he, he doesn't let me screw around. Yeah. I think one of the most dangerous things that a paddle player can do is just go out on the court and hit shots. Just wing it. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. I mean, like even at the beginning, like you should be gathering information from your warm up and being like, oh, this guy, you know, or gal can, you know, come through their backhand side real clean. Yeah. And, you know, uh, simple stuff. You know, that backhand is really compact. That's going to be hard to read. Their forehand, they hit it harder, but you can see it coming. Like, yeah. that's a big difference. Like, you got to be. You know, you got to be paying attention to that. Well, I always struggle when we're in your warm up and you get those guys that just want to talk the whole time. I'm that. Oh, guy. hey, yeah. I, I just talk because I'm trying to. I am trying to look at certain things, and I can't do all those things. I can't have my own warm up, have a conversation with you, and, and try to yeah, build a game. Like plan. I know my my limitations, and my limitations are yeah. I can focus on one, maybe two things at a time. Yeah. Three, Whereas no. I go out and intentionally have the conversation the whole time to be disarming, so that then I just thought you were trying to be nice. To when me. I actually Damn play, it. no, just no, trying to screw that me doesn't over. make any sense. Damn it! I've got nothing but um, blackness in my heart. Why yeah. would I? Why would I be nice to people before um, the match? It's all you know. It's all a snow snow job. It was fair. Um, yeah, people, you know, hitting shots, trying to end the point too quickly. And I think that it, the separation that you can take from it is that the better the player, the farther they're looking ahead. Oh, those guys, five, six, seven shots ahead. Yeah. Or they're like, hey, after like, I've played with Mansinger a number of times and he's like, okay, you're going to lob everything. Right. And about 45 minutes into the match, he'd be like, okay, now we can drive. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Like now <laughs> it's a that, different level. Now that we've gotten them to, to shut down their feet a little bit, right? Yeah. To stop thinking and just gotten them to start hitting shots. Yeah. Now you can and go back like, to okay, mixing it up. Okay, when you drive, you're aiming his right hip because he flips to a forehand. Yep. I'm going to poach. I'm like, oh, this is oh, a different that level. that forehand thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what causes distractions? Do you think identifying <laughs> distractions is something that helps you get over it and I like can locking tell, on a match? I can tell you an exact club that I have the biggest distraction. Which one? Uh, Salt Creek. I play on... In Hinsdale? In Hinsdale. I don't know what court number it is. Maybe it's court one. Every time I play on that court, they've got a raised up clubhouse. Yeah, they do. They have a nice nice setup. A fantastic facility. Um, But no, every time I play at Salt Creek... There, they've got like this eighty-inch HD TV on the wall that that faces the court, and I'll be kind of midpoint, and there's always like a Hawks game or a Cubs playoff game, something you going can't on. Help it, and I'll be midpoint. I'll be like, "Ooh, ooh, Kane scored!" <laughs> like, oh shit, I gotta focus. Yeah. So the yeah, hut that's, distraction. That's, that's not gonna help. That's you. that's a tough one for me. Yeah. I had a, I also had a partner the first year I started playing paddle who would not let me serve, looking towards the hut. He's like you right. get you get distracted well, way that's too genius. easily. If he learned that about you, that's genius. He's uh-huh. really managing a match so, effectively. So then. now it's just something I always do. They're like, "Do you want to serve?" I'd be like, "No, I want my back to the hut." Yeah, just I'm easily distracted. Yeah, I always find it difficult. Like if you get caught in traffic on the way to a match, oh. there's something about that. There's a difference between playing at home at your, on your home courts where it like immediately 
gives you, you know, kind of a sense of calm yeah. because it's a space that you're comfortable with. But if I like get caught in traffic and it takes like an hour and 20 minutes to get to some place or you're just sitting in the car dealing with traffic and then you have to go out and jump right into a match, I always struggle. Yeah. I just, I don't, uh, I, I just really need to focus on that, you know, recovery element. Uh, and too much alcohol is another one. Not oh. me in particular, but I've I seen have, a lot of guys. I've blow seen guys show set. up at like, 6 30 right but they don't go on until the second round so right. it's like 8 8 30 by the time they go on and they are like i have a beer at 6 30 they eat a whole full then bag they, of potato chips then by they themselves. keep going and they're like well i'll have another right they're like two and a half beers deep by the time they get in and yeah that's tough a few people i've played with uh compete well with a little liquid talent i think i think it's like billiards or darts or i think golf. you're Golf. golf, you're you're good yeah. to a point, and yeah. then then there's a point where it's like uh uh-uh, uh yes no more yes it's the one point five beer equilibrium yes. that's really difficult. We to should have a chart maintain. on paddlehacks.com for this. That's a great idea. Alcohol to talent level. <laughs> good call. Let's start working on that. Uh, other distractions would be um, my partner sucks. Yeah, doesn't doesn't. Like yeah. we've we've decided we're gonna pick on that guy in the ad court, and he just keeps swinging it to the dude in the deuce court. Yeah, I would take that one step further because I think that term, like that phrasing, gets thrown around a lot. Like my partner sucks. I think what people actually mean is like you didn't find a game plan. Yes. Right. And anybody can suck at any moment when they are not when you're not together as a team with right. what you're trying to do. Oh and yeah. So I think that I think that comes up a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. So in terms of improving and practicing mental focus, right? So we've talked about the distractions. We've talked about how, you know, this is an important, you know, on the mental side of paddle, maintaining focus. But how do you actually practice mental focus? Yeah, I've, I, I've got a guy at my club. Um, I don't think he'll care if I name him. Oh, my God. Here, it comes. Here comes the lawsuit. No, Thanks his name is uh, Brian Caruso. Uh, Brian started playing a year or two ago. And his first year, I told Brian, I'm like, Brian, you've got Series 1 drives and Series 29 screens. Ooh. Yeah. So, but Brian's been awesome. Brian's Brian's on the fast track. He'll be playing single-digit paddle next year. Oh, good um, for him. Yeah. He knows he's got a good drive. So, I'm, I'm like, dude, don't worry if you lose in practice. doesn't matter. But you are going to work your love. You're going to let everything go to the screens. You're going to get comfortable on them. You're going to get that paddle set. You're going to lift it high. And you're not going to, because he can get away. He can line up a drive and win it at the level he's playing at. Yeah. But he's going to get to a point where. That's not going to work anymore. He loads up a drive and they go, yeah, good shot, dude. And he's going to go. And volley it right back. He goes, ah, I'm all out. (laughs) I'm done. So he'll practice and do nothing but lobs. Right. It's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you got to. You got to do it. Um, I think the positioning practice is huge. I think that, you know, there's a lot of times where people, you know, don't really think about that as much as they should in practice Yep. Uh, in terms of, you know, where where to shift, where to move, mm-hmm. you know, some of those pieces. Um, that actually has to – that's got to be one of those things that becomes second nature. Like, you know, it's that's almost more important than hitting, you know, uh, the perfect shot, you know, or a specific shot. Yeah. So you can do a lot of cool stuff with your overheads, but if you hit an overhead and you and your partner do not follow the ball, you know, and position yourselves yeah, for trouble. success, like nothing good is going to happen. Yeah. Um, 
um, but then also focusing on like playing your best points rather than the overall result. You know, oh, yeah. playing playing smart shots and playing smart paddle. You know, even in practice, like you know, unless you go out there with the mindset, you know, unless your pro says you're going to be working on something that's not your strength. Today we're going to work on you know, we're going to work on screen drives, and yeah. it's not your thing. That's okay, you know. But that's you know, you're working on a specific skill, and then when you play your practice match you look to implement that yeah i think a lot of people they they think ahead and they're like well i've got to win right all right well you know you can't you can't you're not in decide you can't decide that right if you go out there and play the best of your ability you execute everything you should do and they beat you good for them yeah they're just better than you that day good for them you can feel about that um but you know people uh, just worry about the result too much and not like the the steps it takes to get to a win yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I always uh, I have this story come up on a regular basis where I feel like the best that I ever played, I lost two and three. Mm-hmm. Like legitimately, like I there was nothing else I could have done. Just and it beat. happened to be against a top five team in the country, but yeah. I thought I played lights out for my own personal level at the time. Right. And I was like, geez, that really, like I didn't. I didn't miss a lot of dumb shots. I didn't, you know, I dug out well. I made them play long points. Like, it took you know a couple hours to beat us two and three, and I was I felt really good about it. Um, yep. That's just not usually the the result. <laughs> That's not usually <laughs> how that goes. Close this out a little bit. Call your pro. Call call him. Just get out there for thirty minutes. Yeah. Once a week, once every couple of weeks, and be like, I just really want to focus on this one shot. Yeah. You know, I, I do get people come to lessons and it's like a 30 minute lesson. They're like, okay, I got to work on the drive. I need to work on my backhand screens. I've got to work on my cut overhead and I got to work on my serve to first. I'm, dude, we got 30 minutes. Let's, I would also one like thing. you to balance my checkbook. And yeah. If there's any chance we could. Uh, I would like to learn Mandarin. Yes. Um, yes. No, work on one thing. <laughs> Yeah, really good coaches can one. really yeah, good coaches can really put your focus where it needs to be. Yeah. And I think that um I, I've made a lot of people better by having a very frank conversation with them and saying, you know, the the thing that you need to get better at is not we're not gonna agree on that. Right? Like yes. I've I've watched you play a whole match. Every time you've watched yourself play a match, it's from your own head. Like it's within your own oh, yeah. mind. And so you know, I'll see somebody miss 22 returns and then come to take a lesson, and I assume that they are going to say, I got to work on my return. But because they hit two or three winners, those are the shots they remembered, they're like, oh, I got to work on my screens. And I'm like, you absolutely do not. We are going to hit returns the entire time. Move your feet. Stop swinging so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's also important to, uh, like, to kind of allow – your points of focus to evolve with the game, right? So, oh, he's, yeah. So, so the game is changing. You know, the drive stopper position used to be kind of a jokingly referred to as the do nothing position, and yeah. now it's become a very aggressive, movement based, yeah. you know, shot making spot. And uh, there's a lot of people that are not comfortable with that style, which just means that there's a cert- there's a limiter on the level that they can play. Yeah. You know, I, again, I have a lot of people come to me, or I'll, I'll throw something their way, and their response: "Why? Well, no, I've been doing it like that for twenty years. All right, that's great. I, you know, my response is always the same. Well, I grew up with a black and white TV. 
Don't have one now. I used to have to call every person from a landline in yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. Now that I, doesn't mean yeah. that that's the way we should be doing it. No. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't make it right. Yeah. Evolve. They used to treat uh, blood infections with leeches. Hmm. Yeah. Fun fact. Great. Go Dark Ages. Uh, well, You think I mean, they're sick of us now? I assume that we've totally tuned everyone out in Done. talking about this element of uh, paddle hack. So let's take a break. And uh, we'll jump back into something else when we return. Paddlehacks.com. Today's episode of Paddlehacks is brought to you by Starbucks. The reason they have to put two bathrooms in every hut. Starbucks. Still can't get comfortable in my chair. Yeah, you better figure that shit out. Welcome to Battle Hacks episode, who knows, because we're not sure when we're going to use this interview. This is very exciting. We're in the studio with Mike Rahali. Am I pronouncing that right? Is it Rahali? No. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do it correctly because I feel like that gives you, you know, a, a complex. Uh, but Mike is a local pro here in Chicago and good friend of the podcast. Welcome, Michael. Happy to be here. It's <laughs> pretty official, too. I mean, got these three booms in the headphones. Yeah. Nothing changes from when we went to lunch. We're just going to talk. Thought it'd be like we'll three edit monkeys the shit out of everything. Fighting over a banana or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's essentially it. Uh, well, we don't really have a, a hard line uh, series of questions for you. I mean, Ben and I wrote some stuff down based on what we knew about your uh, your background life, mostly from what you filled out on our quick questionnaire, which was very nice of you to do. And the only thing we weren't supposed to talk about was your irritable bowel. So... Yeah, did that get in there? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're just (laughs) not, we're not going to bring it up because we have respect. We have respect for you as a person and as a professional. Uh, But as we usually start, where did you get your start in paddle? On Wednesday Club, working for uh, Rodney Workman. And how did that go? Do you still appreciate that that start to your career? Is oh, that, I wouldn't be here without it. Are you still paying him dividends uh, <laughs> off of your salary bit. check? You know, we're, we're coming up on year 20, uh, 29, so it's almost there's one one more year left. <laughs> one more lump sum one payment. Left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 28, yeah. 29 years. Yeah, when you come out of his program, it's like an adjustable mortgage. It's a uh, gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> And when you got dragged into the world of paddle, was that uh, was that true interest or was it mandatory? No, you know, it's funny. I, I went there and I started playing squash and loved it. Loved playing squash. And then I realized there was one other club in all of Chicagoland that right. had squash and tennis. Right. And every club had paddle. Hmm. And uh, so I said I'd better focus a little more on paddle a little and was the allure to paddle, like, how did that compare to your, I mean, your tennis bat? Obviously, we all started in tennis, yeah. right? And then kind of made a transition partially because of the market, because in Chicago, there's just not as much to do in the wintertime, and it's kind of a long season for us. But when you started getting into it and playing tournaments, was it, you know, something that you truly enjoyed, or was it just a product of, like, this is what I do in the winter? No, I you know I once I got over that I hate this fucking game stage. Excuse my friend. <laughs> Say the same thing. Sorry. That's come up once, every time. Know, it took me it took me a little bit to get over that, but then it uh, it was you know I, I I love paddle. I mean I still do. Yeah, but it, you'd play uh, paddle over tennis now. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I mean I play more paddle in hell in a week than I'll play tennis all summer. Mm-hmm. Going back to Mike squash, I've I've played squash once. 
of my buddy asked me to play with him and we were in England and I hit him. I wasn't used to things coming off the wall because as a tennis player, I'd never play paddle and things would come off the wall and I'd crack, I could hit it hard from tennis and I hit him. He, I didn't realize people would be standing in front of me. I hit him in the small of the back like five times in an hour. Just peppered him. <laughs> as hard yeah. as I could. Just target practice. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I am never doing this with you ever again. Well, <laughs> that was my only time ever playing five squash. times. Yeah. I wouldn't let you hit me twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a good friend. Yeah. That's a, that's a good guy there that's only willing to take I've, the welts yeah, over and over again. I've played squash. I also have played squash like one, twice. Dude, you'd be scary on the squash court. Ever. You mean just because of my enormous girth? Is just that what your, you're referring to? Your, My yeah, lankiness? Elbows and knees fucking going everywhere. And <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> that describes me in a variety of situations, really. <laughs> Where do you think paddle falls on the current hierarchy of sport at the moment? Is it above or below the Frisbee Catching Dog Championships on ESPN 9? Oh that's, that's entertaining. A, that's a tough one. I know. <laughs> you got passionate, passionate small... Uh, Everybody looks at paddle and think it's this huge sport, but the reality of it is not that big. No, yeah. Oh, it's tiny. No. Yeah. So anyway, we've really we've solidified our market, I think, for it's this huge. podcast. The podcast is gonna be big. Yeah. As we said in our last one, that you know we got to be excited because it's going to be listened to by tens of people. Yeah. I'm planning so. my retirement. You should definitely. You should rely on this heavily. <laughs> I think come. I would. I would sell off any stock you own now and just start pumping it into paddle hacks. Um, and play the lotto. I mean, that's the other. It's up to like two hundred ninety-five million oh, right now. I saw smart. that last night. You could retire yeah. after that. Should we discuss the important stuff? What Mike's drinking? Do you know yeah. what you're drinking? Yeah. What do I? Ha- I have um, a double IP or double pale ale. I don't know something. It's a double something. Double is that Ninja versus, versus Unicorn? Ninja yeah. versus Unicorn. Yeah. Which brewery a, is that? No From idea. Chicago? Yeah. I have I, no idea. I don't know. I'm sure that if we fact-checked this podcast, we would know. If we did any research at all, we would probably have that information. But you guys did some research. A little bit. We asked you what kind of beer you liked. Yeah. <laughs> that was you a, didn't even ask that. That was yeah. a real solid one. Yeah, we did. Part did of the you? questionnaire was like, what do you like after a paddle match? And then the whole point was to be like, oh, all right, well, we'll make sure we have that. Around you said uh, any brew, okay. I think. Yeah, so, you helped us so, out big time. Yeah. So mission <laughs> no, accomplished. I mean, you know, you should have given examples and said, "You're right." Check what you you're would, right. You know, our mistake was in trying to backdoor it and then be like, "Hey, here, this you'll you know, we want to make sure we have something around that we know you'll like." But since you said just beer in general, we knew we had that you covered. Tricked it. So yeah, yeah. We, we the classic overthought that I can almost never be accused of. That's not something that comes up very often. We did write down in our questionnaire, though, and Matt was going to ask you, was it when you lost to me and Graham at Midwesterns last year, was that the lowest point of your paddle career ever? Oh, no, that list that is had long. To be and very <laughs> My list of, of losses, like you know, I mean, that wasn't even a drop in the bucket. You know? <laughs> that's barely, you know what? that's, I mean, granted, it was one of his times that he quit the sport that season, but. You know, but still, you do that yeah, four do or that five times weekly. a year. I do that weekly now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we we we've talked though. That's the beautiful thing of this game, though, right? It's fun. You play with friends. You have a beer right after, and yeah, yeah, who gives a shit if you win or lose? Really, in the end, yeah. And I did have a detailed discussion with some guys the other night where uh, I I admitted like I I am guaranteed to be somebody's rock bottom 
Like at some point, somebody <laughs> lost a match to me and went like, "I gotta fucking change my whole life. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm making horrible decisions. Like uh, I can't believe I lost to that guy. Like oh man, this is, I need to go a different direction." Yeah, but I mean, we you know we just have the conversation and then we we edit as needed. Matt's very kind when he says we. We. He. I. I get to be the director by default because I'm the one who knows how to use the pewter. See, this is like any good partnership. You yeah. Know, you, there you go. Yeah. Right? One it's of us. One of us is really good. The other ones is useless. It <laughs> rides the coattails. Well, you know. You, you got a Batman. You need a Robin. I'm you like, gotta yeah. play your role. You gotta know your role. I'm the idea know your strength, guy, baby. I talked about that on the paddle court the other day with some people and. A couple of them got it, and a lot of them stared at me like I was insane. Where I talked about like Batman the importance of, yeah, the alpha mm-hmm. and the beta. That like one of you, if one of you is going to play high alpha paddle, where you're going to swing at everything you want, then the other person has to be putting every ball in play. Like you can't, you can't, you can't have two alphas out there unless you're really good. Unless you're never missing. We were going to ask you if your wife gets jealous of John Noble because Noble Raleigh is the most famous couple on the North Shore. Why wouldn't she? That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be worried if she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there needs to be more insecurity there or it's not yeah, a good relationship. Right, right. Yeah, I think she should be worried. Yeah, I agree. How long have you and John known each other? Long time. Really? Yeah. He's a good dude. I almost took his head off the first time I ever played a paddle match. I tried to, I'd seen everyone hitting cutters, and I tried to hit one. <laughs> I hit the side of my paddle and almost hit Just it right square in the face. <laughs> he probably had it coming. I mean, he was probably asking yeah. for it. Knowing John, he John deserved, deserved it. Yeah, yeah, he deserved yeah, it. Yeah, what a coming. horrible person. He does nothing good for the paddle industry. No, no, the community person. at large. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Did you play in that match in Vegas? Yeah. Was yeah. Back, it was you and Burka, right? Yeah. That was a great with the Bryans, the Bryan brothers. They uh, we so we had gone out there for nice the, guys, right? Oh, they're, they're really fantastic. Nice. Yeah, for the Las Vegas Open, and it was um, before it is now the Del Rey tournament. They had it for two years, and they called it Racket Palooza. In the first year, they had what was the original platform or um, paddle tennis, the out east, you know, with the puncture tennis mm-hmm. ball and all that. Yeah. And then they had like a fastest stringing contest, and then the professional tournament, which you placed third in. Yeah, you know, thirtieth, <laughs> and and then I would practice all year, and then they didn't have it the next year when I went out there. So nice. I, I did the paddle thing that, like David Dodge put up court, mm-hmm. right? U.S. U.S. or the APTA kind of had a group that was out there, and then the PPTA. There was about twelve of us that went out, and the whole thing was a Burka runs into the Bryant brothers at a, whole at a club. He was buying a, a fresh sparkling water and he Fre- said, I uh, know you guys. Had to be from a glass bottle. Yeah, it and doesn't said, count otherwise. And he said, uh, will you play, you know, we're here in town for this platform tennis thing and we'll, we'll play you for 5000 if you beat us. Well, the original plan was that Brian Uline, who was a defending national champion, mm-hmm. was out there too. And so we had a tournament going on, and um, and Brian left early. 
on Sunday. <laughs> he was putting Classic up the money move. too. And no, no. Well, we were like, "There's no way he he loses." You know, he and right. Brooke, I mean, Brian and anybody at the time could beat just about anyone, and 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 so he loses or he leaves, and we had this rotating thing where the pros would all take turns and and people could just kind of roll throughout that day and come play on the court and the pros would be there to well it was like the fourth day and guys were licking their wounds from being all and i'm the like the the last man standing right and everybody disappeared everybody else is nuked and you're like i gotta go they were gone yeah you know and there was nobody there and um so i was grinding all day and i like finished and i snuck off and the the Bryan brothers had lost in doubles in either the finals or the semifinals. So they're like, okay, there's no way they're going to do it now. And I'm hiding, trying to watch like two minutes of tennis. And somebody, one of the volunteers is like, Mike, we need a fourth. Will you come play with us? I'm like, sure. Love to, you know, and jump on the court. And then Berka comes walking up and he's like, Mike, you ready? And I'm like, dude, can't you see? And then, <laughs> I'm and then I busy. look behind him and the Bryan brothers. I'm like, all right, guys, see ya. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So we played them. They they'd never played before. Never played before. How long would it have taken them to be the best players in the country? You know, we debated that. I would say it would take a year, a year to two year and a half. Because you couldn't get anything by them at the net. No, they never lost. Nothing. They never lost like a hand to hand exchange. If they missed a volley, it was because they were in the wrong position, um, either off the net or kind of reaching for yeah. volleys. But like in blitzes and any any exchange, they never, they never. It was well, they're cool. lefty righty too, right? Yeah, and you know you get the ball to a screen, and they were they were not. Yeah. But yeah, you know, once they figured that out, and where they figured out how to hit where to hit the overheads. What about the serve? Serve they struggled with too, you know, but. I mean, give them, yeah, I'd say a year and a half. They could be not beating everybody, but they'd be competitive. Right. I mean, you look at, you know, uh, Jared Palmer. Took him a couple of years before he. He's good. Fully got it. Yeah. I'd say he's got it now. He's not bad. No, he's not bad. He's started to figure it out. Yeah. He's I mean, not he's one got a couple of things I could. But... Yeah. I'm available <laughs> for coaching, Jared, if you. <laughs> Mike, well, thank you so much for coming yeah, out, man. Mike Truly. Raleigh. We, much appreciated. It, I still got it. You know, oh, no, we're going to keep drinking once we turn the microphones oh, no, off. <laughs> no. But thanks for being here. We do appreciate it. That wasn't any hard hitting. There wasn't anything hard hitting there. That's you know. it. Well, we bring you in. We, we oh, soften you up. Two. We round soften two. you up. Do you want me well, to get into it? This is the fluffing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, could, we could take this a different direction <laughs> if you want. We'll bring you in in the spring and it gets much harder. Okay. Slick sales guy. <laughs> you just have all the ideas. I, I'm, I'm I'm idea guy. You know, feed the mayonnaise to the tuna. You know? You're the you're the Bill Gates of the operation. You you say uh, yes, we can do that, and then yeah. you turn around and go, how the hell are we going to do that? I have no idea. Oh, I so just... I'm Bill Gates in our operation. Because <laughs> yeah, all the time I call Matt, I'm driving along, I'm like, oh oh, I got an idea, and he's like, well, we need to pump the brakes on this pen. Yeah, <laughs> just throw yeah. ideas. Yeah, at him. I'm a glorified <laughs> I'm a glorified engineer, and yeah. you are you're you're Bill Gates. Yeah, I'm yes all the time.
I can absolutely do that. How the hell am I going to do that? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think we should do an official bump and uh, and welcome John Noble, local Chicago legend, to the Paddle Hacks podcast. Uh, it's very nice of you to say yes and spend some time with us. Uh, I know I've said it to almost everybody that's walked in the door so far because we just launched, but it's uh, we're you know we rely heavily on our friends in these situations to because you don't know what you're walking into. So, (laughs) are we just going to sit around an iPhone and all uh, have a conversation? Or yes, that'd have been okay. That's right. You would have been fine with that. Yep, I'm good. Good, and I'm also glad that you were excited that there was no cameras because Ben and I are excited about that every day. Yes, no, I I did not shave properly. I did shave yesterday. Okay, close enough. And I know somebody who shaved the other day. It wasn't (laughs) me. So no, I'm good. uh, No, this is good. Happy to talk and happy to go through anything you want. So cool. Thanks. Uh, I, go ahead. You started. I was, I was just going to ask: Is is John? I think is in the top five paddle duos. Like when you say one name, the other name goes with it, right? Like Dardis and Shay, Good Speed and Mansinger, <laughs> Noble Rally. You got Noble Rally. Noble Rally, right? right? Comes up a Broderick lot. and yeah. Palmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think so. But that's very nice. You're of you you're, you're, you're <laughs> attached to Mike Rowley for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah. How's so that I feel? Had, uh, so it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah. And no, I've I've picked good partners. I had uh, uh, Mike Sullivan, Mike Shabriah, Mike Rowley. Those are my three main partners. Those are your three mics. Yeah, three mics. Yeah, okay. that's, that's good. So that's good. So and my I, name's Matt. We can't play together. Is what you're I saying? I mean, I, I played with Brad Smith last year, but that, you know that was awkward. I it mean, fell just, apart it, quickly it, because it, you kept calling him Mike. Exactly. I mean, he he, <laughs> he brought it up like at lunch that. the other day. It's he was tough. like, "Yeah, Noble just can't figure out what the hell my name is." Yeah. So, um, so in terms of, I mean, it's always nice to have uh, someone from a governing organization with a bunch of experience to talk to, especially when you start getting into the minutia of the sport. In terms of the evolution of that, and obviously it's expanded and become a bigger animal as the sport has grown. When you when you navigate that in terms of you know filling needs of what the APTA members are looking for, how do you attack those problems? Do, do they come to you and they become very obvious, or do you step in and say like you know I think this is a, a pilot program that I'm looking to do you know like live streaming, you know yeah. like you were just discussing that does that's not a demand from the masses that's just a great idea. Well, you know. P- Part of it was, you know, I'm stealing as much as I can in everything I do. I, there's there's not a lot of original thoughts that I would say, oh, I came up with that. They've been done someplace else. And so, so part of it goes back to just thinking about what I grew up with in tennis, what I've seen in other sports, and coming in to help the APTA, b- being on the board um, and serving, uh, basically filling someone's term or replacing someone for the technology. I came in. Uh, to, to particularly do basically head up technology for the APTA back uh, 2011, 2012, I can't remember exactly, but Tim McAvoy was the president at that time. Mm-hmm. And so part of it was preparing a report for the board meeting, never being on the board, doing what we had done in Chicago, um, seeing how the things had worked and what we've been trying to do in terms of improvements, running the tournaments. Um, I think I've been running charities since 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting involved with all those things to say, okay, how do I make my life easier around the tournaments? How do we make Chicago's players' life easier? And then from the standpoint of you know, coming onto an organization like the APTA, how do we help the APTA grow? Because it's basically a, a hobby. It's a, it's a neat, yeah. little, neat little sport for a a lot of folks that's great but it's tiny in terms of its penetration to sports which you normally see so the question yeah. is how do we how do we keep the sport going um 
and it, it it's going fine and things were there before me that had been self-corrected or, or corrected but really was okay how do we take it to the next step what are some things that could potentially work so that was really for me coming on to say I you know kind of had three to five different things I thought really could do from a technology perspective that could bring the APTA forward more than just a website and a magazine mm-hmm. and that's really effectively all it was other than a governing body so it wasn't that it didn't do other things but in terms of how people might perceive it or what its purpose was to grow the game and to bring the game available to other folks um it, it was just limited um it had done you know the pro-ams and the or the the, the pro uh, events at the different markets to try to help grow those areas and help the leagues and other types of things kind of do better it had done grants and stuff for um, people who are investing in courts and in clubhouses mm-hmm. and those things and trying to get more courts available um, and, and other types of things that it had done. So the question was, okay, now you've done that and you're still doing that. How can you take advantage of technology? You know, so now it's 2010, 2012. What could you do to get out there? And so that's really where my thoughts were from a strategic planning perspective of what can we do? What can we emulate? And and look. 2010. That was AOL dial-up, right? There you Is go. that where we were at? <laughs> so maybe just, I don't know. We were still listening to our, our modem screech in order to make things happen. I think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, but from that perspective, that's where I came in to say what what can we do? We have capital. We have money from an APT organization. What could we invest in reasonably that could actually take stuff to the next step? Yeah. Um, and and selfishly, Chicago is such a big part of that. I think we're 35% of the membership mm-hmm. because of just kind of the commitment um, Alan and Bill, uh, Alan Graham, Bill O'Brien had made um, several years ago really say, hey, it's, it's, it's mandatory that we're part of the APTA. We support the governing organization. And so from a financial perspective, that really helped put the APTA in, in a much more solid uh, capital foundation perspective to say they have the capital to be responsible and to choose different initiatives. And so that was really part of where I kind of thought of it mentally and then coming in to say, okay, what, what are the ideas? And so live streaming came out of that. Um, live scoring came out mm-hmm. of that. Um, getting the rankings under control. I'd served um, under um, Fritz Odenbach, who had been the ranking chair for a while. And so I came into that role Oh, I can't remember uh, before that. So maybe 2007, 2008 and really came up with try to figure out how do we do the rankings in a new way? Um, Mm -hmm. How do we do those in a more visible, understandable way? And um, and, you know, changes with the website and those things and the magazine, you know, the other people were kind of tackling those things. So I didn't need to necessarily do that. But that's where we wanted to basically bring a lot more interaction between the member, what they see, what they understand, what they're exposed to and the APTA so that yeah. we became more than a governing body but we be, we we became more of uh, an entity that was really marketing and communicating the sport and bringing more knowledge of the sport to the players and secondarily you can talk towards what involvement is there between that and the pros because the mechanism that's worked so well here in Chicago is involving the pros almost like a member of a club, letting them both play in the league, but sharing how their value is to the game and to the growth of the game so that they can learn from each other and learn from how the club works, the leagues work, those things. And not just that you're a hired employee and, you know, slide over there.
He's got it all figured out. It's unbelievable. I, I just, you know, once in a while, I, I don't think people realize how many people like you and, and Bill and Alan and Shannon are involved in running the league and the volunteer and the time it takes to make it run as smoothly as it does. You know, once in a while I'll get someone who'll be like, I can't believe I've only got seven home matches this year. I go, <laughs> they're not just focused on your team. There's yeah. 10 guys on your team and 10 more teams in your league and then 35 leagues in that. They didn't go, well, I, I think I'm just going to screw these guys over. And oh, yeah. Like, no, definitely. The amount of work that goes into making this league run yeah. on a weekly basis for what is it? Eight months? Something like that. Right. But yeah. Is unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah. you know, it feels longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, it was a couple. Of, I'm sure you've heard this. A couple of years back, I was at a tournament, and you got a good draw. Yes. Happens you've heard from this, time right? Time. You got a good draw, and and some. I was in the heart, and someone insinuated that you got a good draw because you do the draw, and I I had to respond back. I'm like. No, first off, no, he just got a good draw in this tournament. But if there's anyone in the world of paddle that deserves a good draw, he should get a bye every round <laughs> to the final for the amount of time that John puts into yeah. this sport of paddle and, and what he does for it. Like, for you to get one, like, yeah, you don't, but like, you deserve it <laughs> the work you put in. Yeah, but I, you've I, heard it before, well, yeah, right? If you've well, got a good draw, and, that, and that's unfortunately how it started for me to actually start this. So I, the first tournament I played, I think it was this, maybe the first charities I played, and um, played with another guy who was a decent college tennis player. So I've been playing maybe six months, maybe a year. So we go in to play it, and we proceed to play the same team, play them in the first round. No, sorry, sorry. We, we we lose to the, I think the eighth seed, uh, really good team, and and I man up and well, we get one game, so we lose zero and one. Nice, that was excellent. <laughs> I was awesome for that one game. Then we proceed to play uh, a team split from Glenview and Indian Hill, and a guy named Bim Surplus. Yep. And Don Campbell. We proceed to lose two and one to them. We then play four more matches that day. This is all one day, so I've now played six matches. And we have to play Bim and Don Campbell again. In the final of the no, back no, draw? No, in the, in the, not only, it might be the semis of the last chance now. Oh, God, this is your seventh match of the Seventh day. match, same team, and so we proceed to lose to them three and two. So we got two more games. That was great. Um <laughs> So Bim's a lefty, and my partner is sitting over there, and we've never seen any spin and stuff. So Bim's got a nice big lefty serve; it hits the screen, and so he's just sitting there, just dumbfounded. I mean, I, I think he maybe made one return in four sets off of Bim's serve, um, and so this was just—it was awful. And I'm, Gene Kempner had done the draw and did a lot of them, and I just Dean, this Gene, this is insane. H how is it even possible? I get in a feed-in that you could play the same team at the finals, right? And there's a little tournament called, I think, the Nationals in Kalamazoo, and they've been doing this for a while. Um, what did you even use to structure the draw? How, how, how is it even, does it, how can it happen? And especially for where, it's like, this isn't, what are you doing to me? And 
So and he showed you the draws that he had written on a series of napkins. I don't know what he did. He, he just he he was so pissed off at me. He just said, "Then you do it." And it's like, "Fine, I'll do yeah, it." Yeah. So <laughs> that was it. And this then, comes full circle on our podcast where we find out just how many things have been improved in the world of paddle out of spite. Oh yeah. Like it's a constant driving force <laughs> for for no. improvements in both people's games and the sport itself. Yeah. No. Well, I just, screw you. I, I'm going to do it better then. I was so mad, and I just—I was exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm in pain. You—you you don't really want to lose the same team in the same day, and uh, yeah, it's not good. I think that's good. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for all the stuff you do for the sport. Yeah. In Thank you, John. No, stop. Not my pleasure, pleasure having you on the uh, you on the too. show. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll we'll do part two whenever you want to do part two. So awesome. We'll have awesome. You back. Uh, part Thanks, two John. usually takes place from uh, two a.m. to five yeah. a.m. There we uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. See you guys. Thanks. Uh, okay, well, thanks for listening today to uh, Paddle Hacks. Don't be afraid to check out paddlehacks.com. Uh, we have some new merch launching this week, so check back for updates. And we've updated the calendar uh, with some upcoming events and stuff that we're going to be at. So, uh, you know, if you bump into us, we'd be happy to uh, chat about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at Paddle Hacks. We've got some. Uh fun collaborations coming soon yeah we have some stuff in the works which is always good to have a long-term plan yeah check out paddlehacks.com see ya bye